Welcome to Investing Insights for the Modern Investor, a quarterly podcast to help you become a better investor so that you can grow and protect your wealth. I cover investment topics including portfolio design, cutting-edge investment strategies, risk management, personal finance, and any topic relevant to creating better long-term investing results. This podcast is a companion to the Three Summit Investment Management quarterly client letter called Summit View. For more information about Three Summit Investment Management and to subscribe to Summit View, please go to our website at www.threesummit.com. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Investments involve risk. Be sure to first consult with a qualified investment manager or tax professional before implementing any strategy. This podcast is not intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. I am Dan Irvine, the founder and principal of Three Summit Investment Management. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today. It's a new quarter, and I have a new topic. I think this episode is going to be one for the archives. The topic that we're going to cover today cannot be reinforced enough. Let me start by asking you this. Would you like to have the opportunity to improve your long-term investment performance by 20, 30, and maybe even more than 50%? This magnitude of performance improvement is possible, and how it can be achieved has absolutely nothing to do with picking better investments or finding the next hot stock. These gains in investment performance can be realized in the difference between being an ordinary investor and a great investor. In this quarter's Investing Insight, I'm going to share with you the one skill that you will need to master in order to profit from becoming a great investor. This is not an infomercial, so please do not get the impression that what I'm going to explain is easy. It is not. The great investors that achieve dramatic results are generally not the investors you see talking up their book on CNBC or sharing their latest stock tips with friends. The reason you do not hear a lot from great investors is because nobody is interested in learning their secrets to achieving exceptional results because quite frankly, the story is usually boring. There is no story of an amazing trade or market prognostication that generated them millions of dollars overnight. Great investors use the investing skill I am going to share with you to gain a competitive advantage, and then they compound on that competitive advantage over time. Join me as I share with you the agony and the ecstasy, but mainly the agony of great investing. As usual, in this episode, I will be talking about some charts and tables. And if you'd like to follow along and be able to see the charts and tables while I speak about them, they are available on our website at www.threesummit.com forward slash podcast. Then click on episode five. In the show notes, the tables and charts are there. So as an investor, it's very important to focus on what makes the greatest impact on your long-term investing results. It is widely believed that the stocks or the mutual funds an investor chooses to invest their money in ultimately determines their success in the amount of wealth that they can create from their investing activities. While a portfolio's holdings obviously contribute to success, 
there is one factor that contributes the most to investing success, and that is investor behavior. Investors spend up to 100% of their time picking securities and adjusting their portfolios, and no time on their own investing behavior, which is the factor that will ultimately define their success and determine if they can produce just ordinary or great investing results. Regardless of your investment strategy, the ability of an investor to have patience is what separates average investment results from great investment results. Great investors have mastered the art of extreme patience and usually reap the large benefits of their behavioral discipline. Patience is the most important skill an investor can cultivate to influence and dramatically improve their long-term investing outcomes. Patient investors that have an inferior portfolio in terms of the average returns that they generate can easily accumulate more wealth over time than impatient investors with a portfolio that generates higher average returns. The best portfolio in the world cannot realize its potential without a patient investor behind the wheel. Great investors have one key skill in common. They can exercise extreme patience while enduring extraordinary levels of emotional pain because they have total conviction in their investment strategy and understand that patience is the most significant competitive advantage they possess. Why is it so hard to invest with patience? Investors consciously and unconsciously continuously compare their portfolios to broad measures of the stock market. Investors are most familiar with the S&P 500 stock market index because they constantly hear its short-term performance quoted on news programs and printed on the front page of almost all news publications and websites. The news headlines and market hype focus on major market indices, and in today's markets, that is the S&P 500. Finance news benchmarks nearly all the investment commentary that they do to the S&P 500 because it is a broad measurement of the U.S. stock market. So for news purposes, using the S&P 500 makes sense. The ubiquity of the S&P 500 index causes investors to consciously or unconsciously anchor their investing expectations over short time frames to the S&P 500. While they pay little or no attention to the long-term performance of the S&P 500 or to more relevant risk and return measures. More problematic still, investors do not consider how relevant a comparison the S&P 500 is to their portfolio in the first place. In rising stock markets, an investor's portfolio that holds 60% in stocks and the rest in other assets is almost certain to underperform the S&P 500 because the index represents a portfolio of 100% stocks. What's more, a well-constructed portfolio is intentionally designed to perform much differently than the S&P 500. So it is a problem when an investor blindly anchors their portfolio expectations to an unrelated and irrelevant index. The alternating emotions of fear and greed that investing triggers in all of us is exacerbated by behavioral biases like anchoring and is the source of much of the emotional pain investors regularly suffer. The emotional power that fear and greed hold over us makes patience the hardest investing discipline to master. The combination of fear and greed put investors in an almost constant state of dissatisfaction. When the stock market is going up, 
investors are not satisfied with how much their portfolio has gone up relative to the market. When the stock market is going down, investors are not satisfied because no one likes losing money. When the stock market suffers extreme downturns, dissatisfaction rapidly devolves to outright fear. This stew of our most powerful emotions coerces us to take short-sighted actions because we feel compelled to act when we experience fear and greed. Action is the wrong response because it causes investors to give up their competitive advantage by deviating from a well-designed long-term investment strategy. And this likely results in much lower levels of wealth at the end of their investing time horizon. When investors perceive that their portfolio is underperforming the stock market, as I mentioned, that's usually represented by the S&P 500, greed pushes them to chase returns. If an investor is generating losses, fear pushes them to protect their assets. At the point an investor feels irresistible greed, markets have made strong moves up already, and taking action on their emotions pushes them into riskier investments at potentially very high price levels, therefore setting their portfolio up for large future losses. When an investor feels compelled to act out of fear, they have already incurred losses, and by decreasing or dramatically limiting their exposure to risky assets, they will likely miss their opportunity to recover those losses when the market inevitably and unpredictably changes directions and moves up again. In other words, making emotional investment decisions results in systematically buying high and selling low. That is the opposite of a winning strategy. The solution to emotional decision-making is patience. Patience is really hard, but it pays well. Perhaps you've been to the DMV lately and feel you've mastered the art of patience. Unfortunately, investing usually requires patience far greater than navigating even the worst DMV visit. We are going to explore just how much patience is required to become a great investor and how that patience can be developed. Analyzing investment strategies is always done with the benefit of hindsight, which is not very helpful in understanding the level of emotional fortitude that may be required of an investor in order to realize the benefits of a strategy over the long run. If an investor does not understand what type of emotional pain they may have to endure in the investment strategy, they are very likely to not stick with their strategy for their entire time horizon. I'm going to show you an analysis that takes a different approach to evaluating an investment strategy. We are going to put ourselves in the shoes of a great investor to see what it really means to have zen-like patience and achieve exceptional long-term investing results. Empirical evidence demonstrates time and again that portfolios that have less risk can create dramatically more wealth than higher-risk portfolios over the long term. When we analyze a low-risk investing strategy, we can confirm that low-risk investing is a compelling strategy, which is illustrated in the first chart that I'm going to talk about. The chart displays the growth of a $100 investment in a portfolio that is invested 100% in the lowest risk or least sexy U.S. stocks between 1937 and 2017. And if you're looking at the chart, that's represented by the blue line. This low-risk portfolio 
is compared to the higher risk S&P 500 index, which is represented on the chart by the green line. What we can see from this growth chart is that the low risk stock portfolio turned a $100 investment in 1937 into $544,000 at the end of 2017, while the S&P 500 turned the same $100 investment in 1937 into $304,000 at the end of 2017. The low-risk portfolio generated almost twice the amount of wealth for the investor than the S&P 500. Aside from the low-risk investor ending up much wealthier than the index investor, this chart makes low-risk investing look quite easy in hindsight, of course. Simply looking at this growth chart, the low-risk portfolio not only finished ahead, but appears to have been ahead for the majority of the time period analyzed. It is therefore easy to conclude that not only did the low-risk investor have a good strategy, but that it was also relatively a smooth ride for the investor. However, there are a few problems with this chart and how it represents the performance of these two investments. While the chart is accurate, it oversimplifies the challenges the low-risk investor had to endure to realize these excellent results. Had you invested in the low-risk portfolio in 1937 without the benefit of hindsight analysis, like the growth chart we just reviewed, you would have rightfully earned your title as a great investor and master of patient investing. Over the 81 years you were invested, the low-risk portfolio would have underperformed the S&P 500 in 39 of those years, or 48% of the time. Even more difficult to tolerate, in the years the low-risk portfolio underperformed, it did so by an average of 8.5% compared to the S&P 500. The low-risk portfolio investor encountered some performance situations that ordinary investors lacking ironclad conviction in their investment strategy would find intolerable. Let's now put ourselves in the shoes of the low-risk investor and imagine that we do not know what the future of the markets or our portfolio hold in store for us. After all, the uncertainty of not knowing the future is the painful daily reality of every investor. Investors rarely, if ever, engage in thought exercises like we're about to do, and instead depend entirely on superficial hindsight analysis, which is one of the reasons ordinary investors lack the emotional tools to patiently confront the investment challenges we all will inevitably encounter in our investing journey. Our tale of investor patience when faced with extreme levels of emotional pain begins in 1950. The table that I'm going to talk about shows the annual return of both the low-risk portfolio and the S&P 500. It shows the cumulative underperformance of the low-risk portfolio versus the S&P 500, and it contains emotional commentary related to the likely emotions you may have encountered if you invested in the low-risk portfolio without the benefit of hindsight. Now, this is one of those few graphics that I think would be helpful if you have access to a computer or to your phone to look at. The table I'm going to explain covers the life of the low-risk investor from the year 1950 through 1956. 
In the first year, 1950, the low-risk portfolio returned 11% versus the S&P 500, which returned 31%. The low-risk portfolio underperformed the S&P 500 by 20%. Your investment returns are positive, but you are very aware that your returns for the year are less than half the S&P 500. Everyone on TV is cheering this amazing year for the markets, which is not making you feel any better. The next year, 1951, the portfolio had similar results. The lowest portfolio returned 10% and the S&P 500 returned 23%. So now the lowest portfolio has cumulative underperformance of negative 40%. Returns are still positive for the lowest portfolio for the year, but for a second year in a row, you returned less than half the index. Over the last two years, you've underperformed the S&P 500 by more than 40%. This is dramatic underperformance that most investors would not be able to tolerate, as the temptation to begin chasing returns would be too strong for most. The next year, 1952, the lowest portfolio again underperformed, but by less. The lowest portfolio returned 14% for the year, and the S&P 500 returned 18%. So now, for the last three years, the low-risk portfolio has cumulative underperformance versus the S&P 500 of negative 52%. Now, while you're relieved to have underperformed by less than the year before, you still are 52% behind the S&P 500 for the last three years. You're starting to lose sleep, and you continuously second-guess your investment strategy. By making it this far, though, without changing strategies, you have more patience than nearly all investors. In the fourth year, 1953, you finally get a break. The low-risk portfolio returned 8%, almost 9%, and the S&P 500 returned a negative 0.94%. So now your cumulative underperformance has improved. You now are underperforming the S&P 500 by 38%. So you get some relief as you outperform slightly for the year. You're still second guessing your strategy though, but at least you get a little bit of a break from the emotional torture that you've been through over the last two years. In 1954, you get very bad results. The low risk portfolio returned almost 27% and the S&P 500 returned 52%. So now you have cumulative underperformance since 1950 of negative 96%. The results for the year are a total gut punch. Your portfolio again returned less than half the S&P 500 and you capped off five years of agonizing investing. At this point, you've underperformed the S&P 500 for the last five years by negative 96%. You could not have imagined a worse result when you designed your investment strategy. You are now in the major leagues of intentional patience as you struggle with an overwhelming desire to change what appears to be a failing strategy. The next year, 1955, it's another terrible year. The low-risk portfolio returns 12% versus the S&P 500 returning 31%. You have cumulative underperformance versus the S&P 500 of a staggering 164%. After another devastating investment result for the year, you prove yourself to be among the most patient, hardcore investors in the market. 
You see nothing but headlines of the amazing returns of the S&P 500 for years, and you have underperformed by 164% over six years. You're likely to conclude that you know less about investing than you thought, and maybe even blame your extreme patience on your terrible results. You're questioning whether you are patient or just crazy, and those close to you are certain you are crazy. In the final year of this example, 1956, again, you underperform the S&P 500. The lowest portfolio returned almost 2%, and the S&P 500 returned 6.5%. You have cumulative underperformance since 1950 of 185%. So what's new? Another year of underperformance with cumulative underperformance versus the S&P 500 of negative 185% over the seven years that you've been invested. You have been prone to fits of crying and your spouse often finds you in the fetal position on the couch watching soap operas. You could never have imagined your investment process could cause this magnitude of suffering. What you don't yet know is that you will get paid handsomely in the future for your ridiculous patience and willingness to stay the course. Now I bet there are a lot of you who can relate to the feelings this investor experienced during this truly awful investment experience over these seven long years of loathing and self-doubt. I would also venture to guess that you did not think about what it would have been like to own this low-risk portfolio during the 1950s when you looked at the growth chart that I originally presented. But instead, you focused on the long-term end result. If this is the case, there's almost no chance you would have achieved the excellent results you expected because you would have been completely unprepared emotionally to weather this epic investment storm. What is easily lost in this example, though, is that the lowest portfolio over the seven years, while severely underperforming the S&P 500, did not produce a single year of losses where the S&P 500 had one year that had negative returns. However, because the investor was anchoring to the S&P 500, powerful feelings of greed constantly tested the patience of the low-risk investor and created doubt about the quality of the investment strategy the low-risk investor was pursuing. The low-risk strategy is a 100% stock portfolio, just like the S&P 500. So it seems to make sense that the investor would feel a comparison between the two is appropriate. But in reality, the comparison is irrelevant. The S&P 500 is more than an index. It is, in fact, an investment strategy. It does not just invest in the 500 largest companies, as many believe, but has specific criteria that must be met by a company to be included in the index. The index has rules and is quite complex, but generally, Companies must have a specific market cap, they have to be headquartered in the U.S., and they have to have four straight quarters of positive earnings to even be considered for addition to the index. The qualifying stocks are then weighted by the market cap. Now this is a little bit of an oversimplification as the math is complex, but the result is the same. The larger companies by value have the largest weight in the index. Now the low-risk portfolio invests in the lowest risk stocks as measured by the three-year historical volatility and the holdings are weighted equally. So don't worry if that didn't make much sense to you. The point is this. The two portfolios follow entirely different investment strategies and are only similar in that they both invest in U.S. stocks. 
So making a comparison between the two, the low risk portfolio and the S&P 500 is completely irrelevant. The great investor we followed in our example would not have been able to stick to the low risk investing strategy over the entire time horizon with just blind faith or a desire to have patience. The investor's mastery of patience flowed from total conviction in the low risk investment strategy that the portfolio pursued and by maintaining a long-term perspective regarding performance. This great investor understood the math behind why his investment strategy was likely to work in the long run and understood how and why the low-risk portfolio differed from the S&P 500. Deep knowledge of the investment strategy built the foundation for his ironclad conviction, and his ironclad conviction provided him the confidence to be patient. So we have established that it was anything but easy to earn nearly twice as much wealth by investing in the low-risk portfolio. Many emotional challenges arose for the low-risk investor, much of them caused by the investor's natural tendency to anchor to the ubiquitous S&P 500. Perhaps if the investor had invested in the S&P 500 for the entire time period, instead of the low-risk portfolio, the investor's strategy would require less patience because the portfolio would be invested in the same index the investor is anchoring to, therefore avoiding uncomfortable and irrelevant return comparisons that result from anchoring. The lower levels of wealth accumulation that the investor would realize could then simply be considered a cost of a more comfortable investing experience. After all, the index portfolio did not perform badly. Furthermore, the investor may still accumulate more wealth than investing in a strategy that he could not stick with for the entire time horizon due to the performance penalties an investor will likely incur by switching strategies midstream. So let's examine if the index portfolio would have been an easier strategy for an investor that has not mastered patience. Investing is hard. And so of course, anchoring is not the only challenge that investors face. Even tougher than fighting greed is enduring fear. Nothing induces emotional decision-making more than large investment losses. Both portfolios suffered their share of losses during the time period that we looked at, which is logical given that they were both invested in 100% stocks and stocks are a risky asset. But the S&P 500 would have proved very difficult to stick with because it had a tendency to generate slightly more frequent losses than the low-risk portfolio. But the kicker is it generated gut-wrenching losses much more frequently. The chart that I'm going to talk about next shows the maximum loss that both portfolios experienced during every year from 1937 to 2017. For those that don't have this chart in front of them, what this chart shows is that the S&P 500 generated losses greater than 20% seven different years versus only three separate years for the low-risk portfolio. If we zoom out and instead of looking at individual years, we look at the entire time period, 1937 to 2017, and we look for the largest loss during the entire time period, the S&P 500 is a much riskier portfolio with a maximum loss during the time period of 50.95% versus 38.5% for the low risk portfolio. Stone cold patience far beyond what the average investor can endure would have been required 
to keep fear at bay during the stomach-churning losses both portfolios, but particularly the S&P 500 encountered. Most investors cannot stand by patiently as half their investment portfolio value is lost. If we look at investment losses as a gauge of investor fear, the index portfolio registers much higher on the fear gauge, and it can be concluded that more conviction and patience would be required to invest in the index portfolio as opposed to the low-risk portfolio. Additionally, despite the index portfolio investor having to worry less about anchoring-induced greed, the low-risk portfolio may still require less patience because despite underperforming the index portfolio 48% of the years, that means it outperformed the index portfolio in 52% of the years. So therefore, the investor would have been feeling confident in the low-risk portfolio performance over more than half the total investment periods. Anchoring does not always have to be bad. It can often act as an emotional tailwind pushing the investor along. To hang on to the low-risk portfolio like grim death through the periods of massive underperformance to the S&P 500 and occasional large losses required total conviction in the investment strategy on the part of the investor that we were following. Conviction in the investment strategy you choose to implement is built on a foundation of deep understanding of how the strategy gains its advantage and why you have chosen that strategy for your objectives. If we identify what the great investor understood about his low-risk investing strategy that gave him the conviction to be patient, then we too can learn to master patience. The low-risk investor understood the following characteristics of his low-risk investment strategy. Number one, portfolios that generate lower average losses or that are less risky can generate more wealth over time than portfolios that generate higher average losses or are more risky because the portfolio compounds on higher average balances. Number two, even if a portfolio generates lower average returns, it can still accumulate more wealth in the long run by being less risky and limiting the frequency and size of losses. Number three, Low-risk portfolios tend to underperform during strong, broad-based market rallies. Number four, low-risk portfolios tend to outperform during recessions. And finally, number five, an investment strategy can deliver emotional pain and poor performance longer and with greater magnitude than you would ever thought possible. If we look back at the first half of the 1950s, there was a sustained broad-based market rally. Our great investor would have understood he was likely to underperform in those market conditions as that is a characteristic of his strategy. Additionally, instead of using the portfolio's short-term returns to evaluate the success of his strategy, he would have been monitoring his portfolio's behavior against the behavior he expected from the strategy given its characteristics. He would have noticed that his portfolio was consistently generating smaller losses than the stock market as measured by the S&P 500, which is the behavior required to accumulate more wealth over the long term, and why low-risk strategies work. In other words, his strategy was working. While he may have been disappointed and anxious about his return results at any given time, the courage to have patience came from unwavering conviction that his strategy was behaving in a manner consistent 
with the investment strategy's characteristics. Finally, to get through even the toughest emotional torment, he would have been comforted to a degree by the fact that he had mentally prepared himself before investing by internalizing and accepting that investment strategies can and will deliver emotional pain longer than he could have ever thought possible. Investing is hard. The only thing worse than not having an overarching investment strategy is not sticking with your investment strategy come hell or high water. An investor that has no conviction in their investment portfolio can't have the patience to see it through to the end, regardless of the strategy they pursue. Switching investment strategies and moving in and out of the markets many times over your investing time horizon will almost certainly cripple your long-term results because the changes you make are driven by an emotional instead of rational decision-making process. An emotional investment strategy is a strategy of systematically buying high and selling low. The example we have discussed demonstrated that neither the low-risk strategy or the index strategy was a walk in the park for an investor. Remember, great investing is hard. The only way an investor could have achieved worse results than either of these portfolios is by lacking patience and emotionally switching investment strategies again and again or not having an investment strategy at all. It is never too late in an investing time horizon to establish a long-term strategy and to do the work required to understand the characteristics of that strategy with the detail necessary to develop the high levels of conviction required to master patience and become a great investor. I have one more very important point that I want to leave you with. Patience means waiting a long time. We all hate waiting and we despise uncertainty. But... If you have the fortitude to stick with an investment strategy that is underperforming with the understanding that you may not know for a decade or more if you made the right decision, your patience automatically positions your portfolio contrary to the irrational masses of ordinary investors that make up the market. Patience is profitable because taking a contrary position to most market participants allows you to capitalize on their undisciplined, irrational, and emotionally driven behavior. The irrational behavior of the masses is what creates investing opportunities. Following the pack will place you among ordinary investors and deliver just ordinary results. My advice to you, endeavor to be a great investor and profit from patience. Thank you all for joining me again this quarter. I love hearing from the listeners of this podcast. If you have questions about the topic I covered today or in previous episodes, if you have comments about the podcast or topics that you'd like to see me cover in the future, or perhaps you just want to talk to somebody about investing, please do not hesitate to send me an email or to give me a call. I love hearing from you. My contact information can be found on our website at www.3summit.com. Have a wonderful rest of your summer, and I look forward to talking to you again next quarter.